Greetings. This is Dr. Harlan Betts, and I'm delighted to welcome you to Wisdom from Above. Thank you for being part of my podcast listening family. The goal of Wisdom from Above is to go beyond the reasoning of man to the revelation of God. God reveals himself generally through his creation, supernaturally through his son Jesus, and specifically through his holy word, the Bible. Wisdom from Above is a weekly podcast, and this is my 162nd episode. All of these episodes of Wisdom from Above are available to you and everyone else all over the world. It's a joy for me to announce that Wisdom from Above has listeners in over 50 different countries. I thank God for that, and I give Him all the glory. We're in Season 10 of Wisdom from Above. Season 10 is focused on practical Christianity. It's a series of how-tos and practical truths. Today's podcast looks at 10 Traits of a Godly Leader. There is a lot of information in the scripture about leadership. The first passage that comes to mind is Exodus 13, where Jethro gives advice to Moses, and we discover the principle of recognizing problems, the principle of establishing a leadership team, and the principle of delegating authority. The second passage that comes to mind is Acts 6, where the apostles chose some men to serve as deacons, And we discover the principle of organizing to meet needs and the principle of maintaining priorities. Another passage that comes to mind is 1 Peter 5 and the responsibilities of a good elder. But for this episode, I'm not going to turn to any of those passages. Instead, I want to focus on the most important aspect of leadership, the leader's life. To reveal the importance of the leader's life, Let me quote from two of the most important leaders in all the New Testament, Jesus and Paul. Jesus said, follow me. The Bible says, Jesus left us an example that we should walk in his footsteps. The Bible says that God desires that we be conformed to the character of of Christ. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, be imitators of me. Paul wrote to the Philippians, follow my example. You see, this, ladies and gentlemen, is real, godly leadership. Jesus saying, follow me. Paul saying, follow my example. Becoming like Christ in our character so that we can Say to those who are leading, just do what I do. Follow my example. You see, character is the most important aspect of godly leadership. Leadership involves influencing others, inspiring others, and impacting others' lives. Leadership involves casting a vision and showing the way. Leadership involves walking the walk and being an example. True leadership has a life-on-life impact. A professor of mine once said, If you think you're leading, and no one is following, you're not leading, you're just going on a walk. (laughs) 
<laughs> By the grace of God, we must live lives that inspire others to become all God is calling them to be. Paul was that kind of leader. He describes his leadership style in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to dig into the first 12 chapters of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we are going to discover 10 traits of a godly leader. Trait number one, manifesting a clear purpose. Here's verse one. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. Paul declares that his coming was not empty. It was not hollow. It was not lacking in purpose. It has been said that the great explorer Christopher Columbus did not know where he was going. He did not know where he was when he got there. And he did not know where he'd been when he got back. <laughs> Far too many leaders are like that. Leighton Ford, a longtime assistant to evangelist Billy Graham, told the following story. Just before the 1966 Tell Scotland evangelistic campaign was the kickoff, they received the following letter. Our committees are organized, our literature is prepared, our schedules are set, and our program is underway. We're ready to take part in Tell Scotland, but pray tell me, what are we to tell Scotland? Whoa! That, my friends, reveals someone whose preparation is empty and hollow and lacking in purpose. One of my professors used to say, if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. Well, Christian leaders need to discover what God wants them to do. They must have goals that are practical, understandable, and achievable. They must communicate those goals clearly. A godly leader must have a clear purpose. Trait number two, having a courageous boldness. Verse two says, But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. Despite the suffering and mistreatment in Philippi, Paul did not come in fear and timidity. He came in boldness. God has not given us a spirit of fear. This boldness was not natural. It was supernatural. Paul says we had boldness in our God. This boldness was demonstrated in their proclamation of the gospel. The Bible says, Be strong and courageous, because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. A godly leader must have courageous boldness. Trait number three, leading with pure motives. We see this in verses three and five. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is our witness. A godly leader is not deceptive. Satan's method is deceit. God's method is the truth. A good leader does not manipulate people. And a true leader does not mislead people. Finding himself in desperate need of money, a man went to the city zoo, hoping to get a job feeding the animals. Although no such opportunity was available, 
the manager, seeing the size and strength of the applicant, suddenly got an idea. You know, he said, there are a few creatures who attract attention like a gorilla. Unfortunately, ours died yesterday. If we got you a special fursuit, would you be willing to imitate him for a few days? Well, the hungry man agreed to try. He was quite successful as he beat his chest and bellowed and shook the bars of the cage, much to the amusement of the visitors, who said they had never seen a gorilla with such intelligence. One day, while swinging on the trapeze, he accidentally lost his grip, flew over the wall, and landed in the lion's den. The huge lion gave a ferocious roar, and and the 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 gorilla backed away, realizing he couldn't cry for assistance without revealing that he was an imposter. He retreated some more as the lion moved closer to him. The gorilla was hoping to crawl back over the wall in his own cage. The lion, however, followed him, and finally in desperation, the imposter gorilla yelled, Help! Immediately, in an undertone, he heard the lion say, Shut up, or you'll get us both fired. (laughs) Those men were being deceptive. They were pretending to be one thing while being another. They were hypocrites. Satan's messengers often appear as angels of light. As ambassadors of Christ and as Christian leaders, we need to be characterized by personal honesty and transparent integrity. According to verse 3, Paul was not deceptive. According to verse verse 5, Paul was not greedy. Paul declares that his coming was not in deceit. He did not use flattering words, nor a cloak for covetousness. I know of a pastor who was stealing money from his own church. I know of a faculty member who was embezzling funds from his own seminary. Paul was not using his position to get selfish gain. Paul was not enriching himself financially and materially. A godly leader cannot be greedy. A Christian leader must do the right things for the right reasons. The end does not justify the means. A godly leader must have pure motives. Trait number four, seeking to please God. Verse four says, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. Paul wasn't using preaching to gain honor and recognition. Paul wasn't using preaching for selfish glory. Paul was seeking to please God. Paul goes on to point out that as apostles, they could have thrown their weight around and they could have asserted their authority. Instead, Paul was proclaiming the gospel. Therefore, he was not erroneous, and Paul was approved by God. Therefore, he was not impure. The Apostle Paul said, I make it my aim to be pleasing to Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 5.9. Why do you do what you do? Is it for your popularity or for God's praise? Is it for yourself 
or for your Savior. A godly leader must seek to please God. Trait number five, being a servant leader. Verse six says, Nor did we seek glory from man, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Jesus took off his robe, wrapped himself in a towel, got on his knees, and washed the disciples' feet. I know some leaders who are so proud of themselves that they refuse to pick up litter off the floor. They think they're too important to do such manual labor. I heard of a church that split because a proud leader got upset that a child went through the church potluck food line before he did. I know some leaders who are all about being recognized and respected and treated like they're above the rest of the people. I know some leaders who lord it over others. They're domineering and dictatorial. It's either their way or the highway. But that is not the way of a godly leader. A godly leader knows that the way up is down. If you want to be great, you must be a servant. If you want to be the greatest, you must be servant of all. Even Jesus was willing to get on his knees and wash the disciples' dirty feet. The Bible says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. A godly leader must be a servant leader. Trait number six, manifesting a gentle sensitivity. In verse seven, Paul says, but we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. A good leader must be sensitive to needs, like a mother is sensitive to the needs of her child. Moses was willing to listen to the advice of his father-in-law. A godly leader must have a listening ear. Don't just do all the talking, do some listening. If you go to a board meeting and the only voice you hear is your own, you do not have a listening ear. The Bible says, be swift to hear and slow to speak. Listen to others, learn from others, and care for others. A godly leader knows the names of his people. Jesus knows each of us by name. He knows each of us personally. This is part of esteeming others. We should esteem others higher than self. We should be concerned for others. We should cultivate a heart of compassion for others. Jesus looked on the people and he had compassion. A godly leader must have a perceptive heart. A good shepherd knows well the condition of his flock. He knows if we're hurting or wandering or wounded or lost. Paul had the tenderness and sensitivity of a nursing mother. A godly leader must manifest a gentle sensitivity. Trait number seven. Being a people lover. Verse 8 says, So, affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. You hear that? The greatest command is to love the Lord our God 
The second command is to love others. If you genuinely love someone, they're going to know that they are valuable to you. If you genuinely love someone, they're going to know that they're not just a pawn in your game of life. If you genuinely love someone, they will be drawn to you and far more likely to listen to you or follow you. Over and over, we see the command to love one another. This is one of the marks of a true disciple. It's by this that all men will know that we are disciples of Christ, that we have love one for another. We serve a loving God, and we should be loving leaders. Trait number eight, living a sacrificial life. Verse 9 says, For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring day and night, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. These leaders gave their lives. The Bible says, they not only imparted the gospel, but they imparted their own lives as well. A godly leader lays his life on the line. A godly leader, like Paul, willingly endures toil, internal fatigue, and trouble, external hardship. The Bible says, Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, in Romans 12, 1 and 2. That's living a sacrificial life. David Brainerd was born in Connecticut in 1718. He came to know Christ personally at age 21. He contracted tuberculosis, yet still devoted his life evangelizing Indians. He lived with them. He loved them deeply. He called them his dear flock. He had a significant impact on them. He died at age 29. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we should lay down our life for others. A godly leader lives a sacrificial life. Trait number nine, living an exemplary life. Verse 10 says, You are a witness, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. Paul was sincere in his walk. He was devout. That refers to religious purity. That is an inner attitude. Something God alone can see. And he was upright. That refers to moral integrity. That is our outer action. It's something man can observe. And he was blameless. That refers to being without reproach. And that should be our goal as godly leaders. Devout, just, and blameless. A man and his young son were climbing a mountain when they came to a place where the ascent was especially difficult and dangerous. While the father paused to consider which way to go, his boy called out trustingly, Choose a good path, Daddy. I'm coming right behind you. 
We must be sincere in our walk. Sincere about seeking to do what God wants. Sincere about admitting when we disobey. Sincere about getting back on the right track and following Christ. John Hyde, a missionary to India, once said, I know but one word, obedience. I know how a soldier will obey an order even unto death, and I can't expect to look Jesus in the face and obey him less than a soldier his commander. A godly leader lives an exemplary life. He doesn't just talk the talk. He also walks the walk, and his walk gives weight to his words. And finally, trait number 10, making a positive impact. Verse 11 says, As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. Paul had likened himself to the sensitivity of a mother, and now he likens himself to the support of a father. Paul was supportive in his words. I love the challenge in Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only words that build up and give grace. Paul says they exhorted. Exhorting deals with the intellect. It means sincerely calling people into a proper course of action according to the word of God. Paul was not without earnestness. And he was not only exhorting, he was encouraging. This word deals with emotions. It means sweetly comforting the weak and the weary, as well as seriously challenging the discouraged and disillusioned to stay on course God has given them. So Paul was not without sensitivity. And then we have him imploring. Exhorting dealt with the intellect. Encouraging dealt with emotions. Imploring deals with the will. It means solemnly challenging the rebellious in heart to obey God's will. Paul was not without principle. He charged the unruly without compromise. He had the tenderness of a mom, but he also had the toughness of a dad. He was gentle and caring like a nursing mom. He was firm and loving like a biological dad. A godly leader makes a positive impact. So what's the result of this kind of godly leadership? Oh, verse 12, our last verse says, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So note first, those who follow a godly leader will be walking worthy of their calling. Second, Godly leaders will bring glory to God and they will share in his glory. Let's take a moment to do some personal evaluation. Are you wasting time in aimlessness or do you manifest a clear purpose? Are you fearful or do you have courageous boldness? Are you being deceptive or are you a person who is trustworthy and truthful? Are you living a life for yourself Or are you seeking to please Christ? Are you lording it over people? Or are you a servant leader? Are you mean and harsh? Or are you gentle and sensitive to others' needs? 
Are you a lover of self and pleasure and money or a lover of God and people? Are you trying to grab life for yourself or are you laying down your life for others? Are you living in a way that you can honestly encourage people to do what you do? Are you discouraging others or are you lifting them up and inspiring them? I need to say something right here and I don't want you to miss it. It is impossible for us to become all God wants us to be in our own strength. And God does does not expect us to do this in our own strength. We must turn to Him and trust in Him and tap into His grace and power. The Bible reveals God's desire to help. God the Father enabling us. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. And Philippians 2.13 It is God who works in you, giving you a desire and ability to do his will. So God the Father is enabling us, and God the Son is energizing us. Galatians 2.20 I'm crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God the Father enabling us, God the Son energizing us, and God the Spirit empowering us. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, faith, meekness, self-control. Why do you do what you do? Is it for the momentary applause of popular recognition? Or is it for the eternal glory and praise of God? Oh, dear God, we come to you and we pray that we would be godly leaders. We pray that we would live our lives for you. We ask you to help us in, by your grace and power to make a difference in our world. We ask that you would enable us to have a life-on-life impact as leaders that brings glory and praise to you. Oh, Lord God, you deserve our life, our love, and our loyalty. And so we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, my friends, that's a wrap on this episode of Wisdom from Above. I'm grateful that you're making this podcast a part of your weekly listening routine. Please help me grow the outreach of wisdom from above. Share with your family. Share with your friends. Share it on your social media. Tell others about it. This is Dr. Harlan Betts wishing you a great week and God's blessings. I'm honored that you've joined me in this passionate quest for wisdom from above.